Welcome into another edition of the Checkerboard Chat. I am Ryan Shumpert, joined as always by my co-sports editor here at the Daily Beacon, Ryan Cruz, as we have a busy podcast to talk about. Two Tennessee basketball games in the past week. The Vols go on the road and lose in Starkville before using a 15-point comeback on Tuesday night in Tuscaloosa to beat Alabama. The Lady Vols have been active as well. Two games, a win at Vanderbilt and a loss at South Carolina. And we record this here on Wednesday in the middle of National Signing Day. Not a too dramatic day for the Vols, but still some news to get to. And let's just dive right in. Ryan, you know, Mississippi State game. After the Texas A&M game, things weren't looking good for Tennessee. Alabama is the type of team that is built like Georgia or built like Mississippi State. It felt like a, a game that Tennessee might get run in. And in the first half, it looked that way, too. How was Tennessee able to reverse the 15-point deficit last night and win? You know, they, they shot they shot the ball well, uh, played with great aggressiveness, and that's what Fulton has talked about, uh, especially after the Texas end game, talking about how, you know, we, we had little to no free throw shots, which means we're not going hard in the lane. We're not taking that with effort. And he was talking about how there's, you know, there's, you definitely see a correlation in the stats where when we're getting lots of free throws, we're playing well. That's And so, you know, I think they did that a lot in the, in the later part of the Alabama game. Yeah, I think you, you hit the nail on the head about tacking the basket and drawing fouls and, yeah, I will say I've been watching Tennessee basketball for a long time, you know, since I was, I was young. Last night might have been the most favorable whistle I've seen Tennessee get on in a road game in the SEC. You know, you, you see a lot of games where it's a, very, a lot of very bad home, home court cooking. I thought Tennessee got a good whistle last night, but credit them for taking advantage, and they gave themselves the chance to get a favorable whistle. They've been in a place this year where they really haven't. They've had a ton of games at home, like you said, where they've gotten other teams shot a lot more free throws than them. Last night they were the aggressor, and Alabama certainly didn't do a good job adjusting to how tight the officials were calling it in the second half. But Tennessee, Tennessee shoots 32 free throws, makes 23. Alabama shoots 8, makes 5. I mean, that's probably the biggest difference when you look at the game. That's just what Tennessee was able to get done at the free throw line. And Alabama is a small team to begin with. Herb Jones, their starting power forward, was out. And Tennessee really just attacked him down low. You saw it starting kind of late in the first half with John Fulkerson. They went to him. He didn't miss a sh- He ended the first half on a 6-0 run. He didn't miss a shot in the first half, and he ends with a career-high 22 points on 8-9 shooting. So a, a, a big night for Fulkerson. Pond's another guy that played played well. Another thing I think you have to look at is kind of Tennessee's done well in the Mississippi State game too is the turnovers. Tennessee's really limited those. They had 13 last night, won the turnover battle. Just six against Mississippi State you know how where do you think the growth is why do you think Tennessee has been able to take care of the ball better in these past few games I think you know you're just dealing with a lot of youth on this team uh you know coach Barnes talked about how this schedule is not built for the the freshmen to play this uh, the amount of minutes they're playing right now so definitely with a young team just it's repetition it's just getting practice it's getting the system it's just being there you know the whole it's one thing, and practice is one thing, but once you get in the game, you know, motions are run high, you got the crowd, but so just kind of slowly getting into that, and adjusting that is huge for these freshmen. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is, and you saw Josiah James did not play last night, but that gave an opportunity for Devontae Gaines to play. I believe he played 14 minutes, and he didn't really light up the stat sheet, but there's no doubt he made a difference last night for what, what he did on the defensive end, was able to get Alabama out of a rhythm at time, and Viscovi's the big one, you look at the just trying to figure things out. I mean, he's been in college for, what, a month and a week, yeah. just about five weeks. He's, you know, just first time even playing in America, uh, dealing with the adjustments athletically. Um, 
And he didn't. Ha- I mean, he had he struggled last night shooting. He was two of fifteen, had eight points. I mean, he couldn't really find find inside a rim. But he played thirty eight minutes. He only turned the ball over one time. He had five assists, I believe, uh, six rebounds as well. So he, I mean, he made he's making his mark, and he he played pretty well at Mississippi State. Um, had sixteen points in that game, four rebounds, five assists, only three turnovers. Um, so he's a guy that's really he's really developing. It's going to be interesting to watch him continue to see how he can grow and get more comfortable transitioning kind of to a different foreign newcomer uh i think we got about five or six games now of plofsitz he started two he started at mississippi state and then alabama last night due to james being injured what are kind of your takeaways from him about what you expected more or less i i think the the first couple games uh he was a little bit below expectation but i i, I feel like Everyone has been building up this whole free Euros moment, so I yeah. think there, there's a lot of hype around yeah. them. But you got to realize this is again, you know, this is his first game here in the SEC. So the first couple games, you know, once he started getting in, be more comfortable. I think he was also a little problem with, with the reaching in, but not, yeah. but you know, having a it's not more going to catch you a foul, but it's not going to help you. So it's to to reach in smartly and to work on the defensive end, and you know, just get in balance and, work, and get everything adjusting to the speed has been huge for him. Yeah, I think that's the last thing you said. The speed is going to be the big question. He clearly has some offensive talent. He scored, what, 16 points in that Mississippi State game. He's shown an ability that he gets the ball down low. He can have a plan. He's pretty smart with the ball as a low post scorer. I, I wonder how much can he grow on the defensive end because he, he certainly isn't the quickest guy. I don't think – I think Barnes is going to have to adapt some of the stuff they do. I don't think he needs to be hedging hard like they like to do with Fulkerson and Pons and they did last year with Kyle Alexander and Grant Williams. But those guys are just an af- athletically a cut above Plasich. I don't think they're going to be able to do that with him. But he's certainly a guy I think if you use the right way, he can be very beneficial. I don't think he's ever going to be a 30-minute a game guy. I say this, he's got four years. We'll see how he develops. But a guy who can play 15 to 20 minutes a night, play with him smart, keep him in the paint. I mean, he it, just the fact that he's seven foot and he has good touch around the rim makes him a big problem for defenses to deal with. And anyone who can give defense, make defenses sweat a little bit is, is a major positive for this Tennessee team. Going into the matchup against Kentucky now, get the big win last night. Tennessee's certainly still on the outside looking in on the NCAA tournament, but it felt like last night could have been a dagger to that to their hopes. Now the chance to get a big win Saturday. Rick Barnes hasn't lost to Kentucky at home in his four years. Kentucky's playing pretty well. Big win last night over Mississippi State. What what do you think Tennessee has to do to give at least give themselves a chance to win Saturday? Well, I think the, I think one of the biggest things is Jordan Bowden. Uh, you know, the past two Saturdays he didn't score a point in the first half. Uh, you know, last night he stepped up for the balls and you know that they, they did well. So I. Th- you know, in both those games, you know, he, he went scores in the first half, but he did put in a solid second half. But in order to beat someone like Kentucky, uh, he's got to bring it the, for the entire 40 minutes. And, you know, I think he has what it takes to help, you know, help bring this team along. But you've got, you've got to get cons- consistent effort from uh, Bowden as the season goes along. Yeah, I mean, that's the consistency has been the problem with him. Obviously, he's shown flashes in his first couple of years. He's shown flashes this year where he's played pretty well. Letting well, I mean, last night has to be the blueprint, you would think, for him. He didn't shoot the ball great. I believe he was 0-4 from three, but got to the free throw line, 10 of 11 at the line, 20 points. 
And, you know, he's not going to get 10 points at the free throw line every night, but he has to be able to attack the basket, especially when his shot's not falling. And especially with James being out, and we'll, you know, he's day-to-day. He was questionable last night. We'll see if he plays Saturday. He, Bowden's really the only guard for Tennessee that's very athletic and can score. I mean, Gaines is a pretty good athlete, but he's not a guy that at this point in his career is going to score for you. And Santiago can create some stuff offensively, but he's just not the athlete that consistently be able to put pressure on defense. With James out, Bowden really has to – Tennessee really needs consistency from him no matter what. But when with James out, they have to have that consistency from Bowden. They have to have him playing 40 or 30 good minutes, 30, 35 good minutes for Tennessee. Changing subjects a little bit, we'll go into the Lady Vols. A one-in-one week for them is similar to Tennessee there. The, vast, the men's team, they're at a part of their schedule where things are getting a lot harder in conference play. They got a big win over LSU last, I guess that was last Monday night. Um, fall for Sunday? Uh, Sunday. It was last Sunday. Good win over a good LSU team. Probably the best win in conference they had to date. And they go on the road. They get a nine-point win at Vanderbilt. Renia Davis goes for 22 points. And then first, first big, big, big-time test in conference play at South Carolina on Sunday. Number one team in the country in the Gamecocks. Made it a long afternoon for Tennessee. As South Carolina picked up a 69-48 win. What were your kind of takeaways from, from the week and I guess that South Carolina performance as a whole? The Vandy game, they started a little slow, uh, but were able to come back. Uh, I, th- I think the biggest thing that killed them in the South Carolina game into a little, a little bit in the Vanderbilt game was the turnovers. Uh, if I remember correctly, they had 21 turnovers in the South Carolina game. And if you're going to play that against high-level competition like that, and expect to beat him, you can't turn the ball over 21 times. Yeah. I mean, that's just 48 points. One of the Lady Vols' worst offensive performances of the season, if not the worst. Renia Davis goes for 18, but she's the only Lady Vol to reach double digits. And I think the big one, I mean, Jordan Hurston has been this probably this team's second most reliable offensive threat. She struggled mightily, I think, had five or six turnovers. And I think that's kind of the question. Renia Davis has really submitted herself as one of the SEC's best players. 20, you know, 40, 40 points last week, and that seems like that's kind of become a norm for her. But the question becomes, can Tennessee find consistent production from anyone else? And right now, that's kind of been hit, hit or miss. Jasmine Massengill played well down the stretch in that Vandy game. I think had six of her eight points in the fourth quarter. It's it's just kind of a, a never-ending question. Obviously, Zay Green being out for a year is a big loss. I think she's a person that really would have filled that role as a nice – number two option offensively, where do you th- where do you think Tennessee has to go to find offense besides Renai Davis? I think that I think they've got a you know, Lou Brown's been great from three, uh gives you uh the length inside. Uh I think Burrell's uh put up great numbers, but I think her problem is is a lot of times she's a Carmelo type Carmelo Anthony type shooter where she puts up these good numbers but, you know, this last game she went two for twelve and to do well, you you got to become a higher percentage yeah. instead of a higher number. You know, so take those smart shots, maybe take a few less couple shots, but make more because you're taking smarter, uh, and that helps the team. You know, because those missed shots lead to turnovers, and that gets crazy points for the other side. And that's, you know. yeah, certainly. I, you know, that's kind of what we saw last night with Muscovy and the men's, and and really Bowden too, to a similar degree. But Bowden was able to get to the free throw line and kind of balance out that efficiency of scoring. Big stretch coming up now. 
They got Miss host Mississippi State Thursday, top ten matchup. They go to LSU, who they just beat narrowly um, a week and a half ago, and then they host Texas A and M, who's in the top twenty five. Go to Arkansas, who's in the top twenty five. I don't think anyone's expecting Tennessee to win the SEC. I think you know South Carolina and Mississippi State do appear to be a cut above, but this stretch I feel like will be one where we find out just how much better Tennessee is this year. If they're back to being a legitimate. Sweet 16, Elite 8, contender, or if they're just an improved team in Kelly Harper's first year, which certainly isn't, isn't a bad thing if they're, if they're just that. But those four games, what do, how many wins do you think Tennessee, not should expect to get, but should be, but should be targeting to get? I mean, I think two is a respectful number. Uh, you know, it, all those games are kind of toss-ups. Uh, it's just, you know, you got to push for the breaks. Uh, I think they have the talent to do it. It's just, you know, how the luck falls and – just continuing to give yourself a shot. Yeah, I mean, like like you say, to Fort, I'd say probably Tennessee's probably a little bit better team than LSU. Tennessee's probably a little bit worse team than Mississippi State. But you get Mississippi State at home, you go to LSU. Tennessee's very even with both Arkansas and A and M. I mean, it's going to be pretty even matchups, and it's going to be like you like you said, it's going to be about make, taking advantage of the breaks because um, it's going to you know one or two possessions could really swing any of those games. Either way, moving in to the Tennessee football section of the podcast, Tennessee seemingly has completed its coaching staff, ending the coaching carousel. Last week, the Vols make the news official. They replaced David Johnson, who the running backs coach departed to go to Florida State with Jay Graham, the former Tennessee running back in the early 90s. Graham had been at Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher the past two seasons as a running backs coach. Before that, he was with Jimbo Fisher at Florida State. Before that, he had spent one year at Tennessee on Derek Dooley's last staff in Knoxville. But Jay Graham, a, a big name, you know, Jeremy Pruitt cuts the check per per this the saying, you know, going to pay him over five hundred thousand dollars a year to coach running backs. A guy with, I think, what makes this a good. To me, what makes it such a good hire, obviously, you know, you love to see any time you get a former player back, people are going to celebrate that. They did that with Terry Ferry, they did that with T. Martin. But where I think with Jay Graham is such a good hire is his recruiting ties in the state of North Carolina. Concord, North Carolina guy, he's got ties in that state, he's got ties in South Carolina, he's got ties in Virginia. That's the area Tennessee is very heavily trying to hit in this 2021 class coming up. And Jay Graham's certainly a guy that understands the challenges and the difficulties that come with recruiting to Tennessee. On the other side of the ball, Kevin Scherer, the inside linebackers coach, took the job with the New York Giants. His replacement will be Brian Niedemeyer, the current Tennessee tight ends coach. He will move over from tight ends to linebacker, the coach inside backers. I don't think that's really a huge surprise. Seems like anytime Jeremy Pruitt opened his mouth to talk about Brian Niedemeyer in the past year, he talked about how he's just a football guy that can coach any any position. So he's he's kept that as a possibility out there that he could coach on the defensive side of the ball. And that looks like it'll be the case with Joe Osavet, who is currently an off the field coach will be moving to coach tight ends. Osavet, a guy that with Northeastern ties was a Juco head coach in New York. He's been hitting the recruiting trail for the balls the past month with David Johnson being departed. He's been the coach that's moved into that role and he's really hit the Northeast hard. And it'll be interesting, not an area that Tennessee targets a whole lot in recruiting, but certainly an area where Osavet has some ties. Ryan, what 
you know, were you surprised by the way the coaching staff sh- shook out, and what were your takeaways with what Jeremy Pruitt decided to do with the two open spots? I mean, definitely, it's, uh, I think those are both two great additions to the, uh, to the team. Uh, Jay Graham, you know, story career. Uh, it's always great to have an alumni, uh, guy play in the NFL, if I'm, if I'm correct. Yeah, played for the uh, league. You know, to sit there and recruit to say, you know, I came to this school, uh, you know, and this school allowed me to go to the league. And then, you know, as someone who was in the league, I can show you what yeah. I did. Uh, I can you know, teach you about everything that has to go along with that. And then Niedermeyer, uh, not really surprised there. Uh, he, he seems to have captured, captured the claim of Coach Pruitt, a lot of the fan base. And he definitely looked like he was in, uh, in line for a promotion. Uh, yeah. I think it's going to be big. You know, he's a great recruiter and uh, something that endeared to a lot of people. Uh, and to have him in a position as of such importance to the defense side of the ball as linebacker, uh, you know, that you can go into rooms trying to recruit those top-level linebackers and, be, you know, personally say, you know, I'm the guy you're working with. Yeah. Uh, so it helps create that connection early. Uh, so especially, you know, I, I think he'll be a, do a good job of uh, mentoring Henry Tua Tua and Quarivis Kalf, who are uh, likely going to be moving to the inside linebacker position this year. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of interesting. I hadn't thought about it until just now when you were talking and you kind of made the comment before we started uh, recording about it. But it's interesting that Niedermeyer was the lead recruiter for Toa Toa a year ago. He was the lead recruiter for Crouch a year ago. So why, while he hasn't directly coached those guys, he has you know good relationships already built with the guys in that room. Which makes that, you would think, make that transition seamlessly for them. National Signing Day 2021, not a whole lot of news. The early signing period's kind of taken away a lot of the drama of this day, but Vols received good news this morning with Dee Beckwith, a Florence, Alabama athlete who the Vols like at tight end, maybe receiver, chose Tennessee over Florida and Kentucky. Florida was kind of the main competition there. A good gift for Tennessee, the cousin of Lamonte Turner, actually. Um, Tennessee was his first offer over a year ago. Tennessee was recruiting him hard for a long time. A guy Jim Cheney really likes. Fringe three-star, four-star, rated as a three-star on the 247 composite. And then the Vols will have their eyes open again this afternoon as Malachi Weidman, the four-star receiver from Venice, Florida, is looking to make a decision. Currently committed to Florida State. Doesn't seem like that's where he will sign today. He visited Tennessee two weekends ago, Ole Miss, Last weekend, those two kind of seem to be the two most likely destinations for a top 150 recruit. And, you know, if they, Tennessee is able to add him, talk about a real strong receiving class with four-star Jalil Hyatt, four-star Jimmy Jimmy Callaway, another guy that got over Kentucky, and then obviously this morning with the fringe tight end of D. Beckwith being a fringe tight end receiver guy. One only other name on the board for Tennessee, the Zach Evans saga, the high four-star, low five-star running back from Houston. He signed with Georgia in the early signing period and was released from his letter of intent. He's been looking at kind of similar schools. Tennessee and Ole Miss seem to be the two. They've gotten his two most recent visits. Texas A&M may be still in on that one. does not appear that Zach Evans is going to do anything today. He cannot sign a letter of intent since he already signed one. And the, the word is... The Evans wants to wait until March when the open period begins again and he can go take a couple more visits. So that one seems like it'll have many more twists and turns as it has had plenty of twists and turns 
so far, but we will have you covered with all of that recruiting, any other potential surprises with Jeremy Pruitt's staff after the National Signing Day, as well as Tennessee's basketball's matchup this weekend with Kentucky and full Lady Vols coverage against Mississippi State Thursday, mm, excuse me, and LSU this weekend. Thank you for joining us. Have a good rest of your day.